I'm Ryan Nidell, host of 15 Minutes of Freedom, your daily action guide to getting shit done. Today, I have the distinct honor and privilege of having really a guest that has a crazy story of how he came into my life. Um, a guy that has massive impact on a global platform as far as training mindset methodology and how to internet market. A guy that I'm going to look forward to calling a close friend, Craig Ballantyne. Craig, how are you today? Hey, really good, Ryan. I'm so glad to be here. This is going to be a lot of fun. Man, I appreciate your time. I appreciate the fact of what I want to share right now, real quick, how you came into my life in some capacity. Into my life, it sounds like we're long lost friends. We're not there yet, but at least into my sphere of influence. So I had been connected through, oh gosh, Steve Weatherford with the book. Oh, cool. Working with Steve for quite some time. A guy named Grant Dizak. I don't know if you remember when they were together. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter, but Grant's been a buddy of mine for years, lives here in Columbus. And so I started following you based off of you guys maybe being a Bedros' mastermind together. Yeah. All the phenomenal content you put out like well well just to be clear it's my mastermind too Bedros and I run it together oh there you go so yeah I, forgive me for yeah. being ignorant to that I no so, no no worries I appreciate you clearing that up so yeah you know you have this mastermind with Bedros that they yeah. do in some capacity at one point and I started seeing this just crazy amount of phenomenal content like you truly you take the Gary V jab 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 right hook to like a whole different level with what you put out on a daily basis and so yeah. thanks I, man I'll do the shameless plug right now. Like go find Craig on Instagram immediately. If you want to know how to sell position or do anything when it comes to Instagram, like I truly, and I'm not saying cause he's a guest, you're the way you position shit is just magic. Like it works. Like this is not some sort of like debauchery of, Oh, buy my course and maybe you'll make money. Like you have hundreds, it's gotta be thousands of case studies where what you teach works very well. Yeah. And it's really neat. It's really simple. And it's just being a good person. It's being yourself. I like to say that it's finally a system where the nice guys uh, finish first. Yeah. So it's real Craig Ballantyne on Instagram. Okay. Yeah. That, that's excellent because literally I, I wake up and, you know, admittedly I, I scroll through Instagram a little more than I should in the morning, you know, getting ready, sure. looking through and it's like, man, the content engine is just cranking from you every morning. You, you're, you know, you're on that, you, you have the, the easel with the paper on it and you're sitting, you know, in a room that looks much like the room you're in now. And it's just, it's just rapid fire, like value, value, value. Oh, by the way, swipe up if you want more value. And I'm like, yeah. man, this is awesome. It's, so yeah. many people do it wrong, you know, and I, I can't say wrong, but so many guys do it the inefficient way of like begging people to buy their product. Or I saw some, somebody spammed you. <laughs> well, we've all been spammed. I've, I've spammed people before. I'm not proud of it, but like the cold marketing into the DM of an in Instagram box. So wait, did you close that guy? I haven't closed him yet. I, I just messaged him again. So just a bit of background. Some person sent me a message and, you know, goes into the, like the junk folder of your direct messages. And I always go in there. I read everybody's message. And he was trying to pitch me on Instagram agency that he had. And I, I didn't even respond. I just said, buy my course. And I just kept on telling him to buy my course. And he's, he's close. He hasn't bought it yet, but he's at least asked me. And, he, and you can tell he doesn't have any money because of the questions that he's asking. But I really believe that he actually, if he got my course, he would, he would have success. And, and, you know, you're from Ohio, you're close to a mentor of mine, a guy named Dan Kennedy. He lives in Ohio as well. He's a classic guy in direct marketing and he has a really great line. Be a welcome guest, not an uninvited pest. That's so simple. That's how I, that's what I do. I create great content. So people are like, Oh, I want to go and follow this guy. I don't go out and say, follow me. I say, Hey, here's my great content. If you want to follow me, cool. If not, no worries. And then I have my stories and like the stories are so good. We get, you know, I have over 2000 people watch my stories every day. 
it's about 10% of my followers, which is about average, but you know, 2000 people, that's great. And I call your Instagram stories, essentially your, the new email, because you know, in the past people would be bribed into, you know, joining your email list. Well, now there's no bribe, you know, people actually forcefully have to enter the story. So that means that that person is a raving fan. They're a raving fan and say they are actually going in and saying, Hey, please tell me a story today. And then you essentially take all of the things that work about email marketing and you put them in an Instagram story. And that's how I can sell a $5,000 workshop through direct messaging and Instagram stories every day. <laughs> and, and it's literally every day. Yeah. I, I laugh and say like every day that ends with a Y counts. Like, yes. Like it, it, yes. I like to sell on every day that ends in Y. Oh, is that today? Yes. Yeah, exactly right. And so, you know, you touch base on some things I think will give the listeners a good background. You're not new to internet marketing. Like we, we laughingly said like you're the godfather OG. Like you, you predate Instagram and Facebook and some of you listeners out there don't even know a world that didn't have Instagram and Facebook. So put on your time machine hat and like go back into what this could be like. Craig, explain, you know, where you came from, what you did, how, how you've got to this place. Yeah. So actually I'll tell you a little bit that I didn't tell you before, which was in 1998, this is, you know, so when I started college in 1994, that's when they, my, my school first had email and then the internet started to get better and better. And by 1998, when I'm graduating my undergraduate degree, I stumbled across a website that you probably know, Ryan, it's called, uh, it was called T nation and no, it was called T mag back then or testosterone.net. Now it's called T nation. Anyway. So I stumbled across T mag, I think it was in, in 1998 when it was really good. And I saw these guys posting articles on the internet and and in all my ego, I thought, well, I can do that too. So I started writing my own email newsletter. And you're going to love this. I, at one point, had 3,000 people on an email newsletter that was being sent out by Hotmail. And they were probably like AOL. They were like 100% inbox. There was no spam back then. Like your conversions had to be stupid high. Right. But here's the thing. I had, I, could, I had to send out 60 emails at a time because you can only send out an email to 50 people. And so I had 3,000 people and you could only send it out to 50 people at a time through Hotmail. So I was BCCing 50 people 60 times. It took me 75 minutes to send out my email newsletter until I eventually got onto a service. But I didn't even know what I was doing for the first couple of years until I started. I, I made my first sale in January of 2001, which was a Word document with no pictures, just workouts in it for $60 through PayPal. Come, somebody contacted me um, through the men's health message forum where I was an expert. I was a paid expert there. They asked me for a program. I put it together, sold it to them for $60 American because uh, I'm Canadian. So I always say that. And uh, back then that was like $100 Canadian. And so, um, you know, that was my first sale. And then I just kept on doing it and eventually started. I don't think it was until 2003 when I had an automated email, automated shopping cart, all this stuff. I mean, I had no idea what I was doing forever. But I was making, you know, close to 50 grand a year for those first couple of years, just, you know, selling Word documents. Well, and what's crazy, Craig, I mean, I, this, this is going to be an awesome conversation. We're, we're marketing guys. Which I haven't had a marketing guy with your capacity on the show at all yet. So I love this. Like, much of what you're saying still works in the same capacity right now. Like, sure. And I think, I mean, we touched base a little bit on it, so I don't want to steal your thunder. I'll let you share this. But all these buried entries that we all think it has to be the, the, the best shot video with the highest production value and you got to have the right lighting and the right angle. Fuck all that. 
you don't need all that to make money online. Like you really don't. Maybe to scale, maybe to be an influencer, like a grand scale, but to start making your first dollar. So Craig, if you don't mind, share with people. And I, again, I don't want to take all your tips and tricks away because that's a massive value to add. You ask next to nothing for your, your online course. Like when I saw how much it costs, I'm like, man, I was expecting it to be a four-figure buy-in. I'm working on that. Don't worry. Yeah, I, I, I figured you had to be. But it's yeah. like, you know, you, you, all this value for under 500 bucks. I mean, I don't want to, you know, I don't know how you're, you're, you're positioning it, but I mean, for me, it's, it's I saw 297. Yeah. And it's like, man, all right. So if I had a, a 49, a 79, a $97 offer, you're going to, if you teach, teach me how to sell five products, I win. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really cool. It's, it's um, probably the one of the programs that I've ever come up with in my entire life, including all the fitness stuff where people can email me the next day and say, Hey, Craig, I spent $300 on your course and I made a thousand dollars today, you know, selling people into my $500 a month nutrition coaching or whatever. So it's really, really awesome. But, you know, going back to what you mentioned, you know, if somebody was out there and said, you know, I would love to ask Joe Rogan a question about this, or I would love to ask Ryan a question about how he grew his podcast. And if he wrote me a word document or if he scribbled out notes and scanned it to me, I'd probably pay him 500 bucks for scan notes, right? You know, so, so it's like, you don't have to put that really fancy stuff together. All that matters is the content. Now, some people are going to say, oh, I wish there was more and that sort of stuff. And you can build on it. <clears throat> but I'm the type of person who is really impatient. And I'm like, okay, let me get something out there that will help somebody today. And if I've got information that's going to help somebody, I'm going to do it. I'm going to put it together as fast as possible. I mean, we have really nice videos for that Instagram course. And now I'm working on a really high quality webinar so that we can raise the price and, and you know, show more value of it. But to get started, you don't need anything. And to take it to the next, next, next level, you still don't need that much. And then if you want to go all the way to the top, then you need to start getting you know, worrying about that, but only worry about that stuff once you get some feedback from some people. So I urge action. I just want you to have urgency, go out there, sell something today, get that momentum for you to be able to say, wow, this is possible. It's just like when you make your first sale and you wake up in the morning and it's like, oh my gosh, there's $10 in my shopping cart. That's a great feeling. And it just shows you it can be done and away you go. Yeah. And man, there's so many gems in that. Like, I feel it's important to also touch base as you're considering you, the listener, going down this path of internet marketing. I've lived by a, a pretty steadfast rule that's provided good results, at least on my side, where if you're offer three times the value you're going to charge and the conversion becomes stupidly easy. Like if you, if you have a $27 ebook you want to hand to somebody, make sure that in theory, you feel like it's worth $100. The conversion becomes simple. It's when it's in an inverted relationship and you, 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 know, you have a $7 product trying to sell for 27 bucks and you don't understand why it's not converting. It's because nobody wants to pay for what you're offering. Like, right. It, it's, not, it's not really rocket science there. No, no. And, and I, you know, if for people that aren't into marketing, let's use an analogy of how important this is for other areas of your life. You know, the, the urgency, the action thing. So somebody's sitting there going, oh, you know, I got money and, uh, you know, I got good family, but I'm overweight. You know, don't wait until you have all the equipment in your home gym. Don't wait until you have, you know, a, a session with a trainer. Get out there and go for a walk. Get out there and, you know, throw some of the junk in the garbage and, you know, buy some fruits and vegetables. Just do something today because if you don't do something today, you get demotivated, you lose momentum and you do even less and you get worse. Whereas if you do at least something today, it starts the ball rolling. So whatever it is, whether it's your relationships, your health, your wealth, do something today. One, yes. Yes, and over again, yes. <laughs> Fred comes from this very altruistic 
positioning where he wrote for men's health like this as he's touching base on fitness i feel like this is important because i truly believe you know we all get fixated on especially us men i'll call it like the dick measuring contest of how much money you make like how successful is your marketing campaign well, i can almost always backtrack into my coaching and go back down the rabbit hole and see okay like you're not treating your body the right way you're not fueling it the right way you're not exercising the right way there's a correlation and i look at everything across body being balance of business where those four quadrants all eventually tie into one another. So we all like to focus on the business, but how you do one thing, in my opinion, is ultimately how you end up doing everything. And if you're not focused on that desired outcome and what you're doing things for, like laughingly, we call it the why, but like truly that soul piercing why, like are you selling a product online because you need to make a quick 500 bucks to pay your mortgage or are you selling a product online because you want to impact a few hundred or a few thousand people's lives? Like there's a vastly different feeling when you do it for the right reason. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I'll say, I'll say something that, uh, that goes back to the fitness space on that, which is, you know, I used to run those before and after transformation contests. You know, we've all seen them, you know, you take the before photo, the after photo you do, you obviously do 12 weeks of training or six weeks in between. And in our programs, we had people write out like a 300 word report on like how they changed mentally, physically, all this stuff. And what I realized was the people that had that big why the reason um, you know, that they were able to, to win the program and stick to it was because it wasn't about winning my money because we gave money away. It wasn't about buying a new pair of jeans. All the, because about 80% of people dropped out of the program and it blew my mind. It was like, I'm giving away thousands of dollars here and I've given away over $150,000 of my own money in these contests and 80% of people still drop out. So you're losing weight, you're getting great information and I'll pay you for this and you still drop out. I don't understand. And then I would look at all these essays from the winners and it was like, I'm doing this for my kids. I'm doing this because my doctor said I wasn't going to be around in five years. I'm doing this so that my spouse looks at me again. Oh, the only reason that people stick to something is for that big reason why. So you nailed it with that when you were talking about when people are starting a business. Yeah. And, and Greg, I feel like it's also important for those of you that are those perfectionists. Like I'm on the Colby index. I'm what's referred to as a quick start. Sounds like you, Craig, like I get an idea and it's go and I'm going to fuck it up along the way. And I'm cool with some stuff. I'm cool with some collateral damage. Like I like that part. I like to figure it out on the fly. There's a lot of you listening that want that perfect equation. When it comes to internet marketing, other than I'll say the storytelling method that Craig will teach you, like when it comes down to the true brass tax of how to quote unquote market and buy traffic and things like that, that that's always moving. Like it's never, you could wait for the perfect time and have all the information possible. And the day you launch, everything changes like that this perfect equation that we all wait for this perfect situation is not ever going to come in my opinion. Like maybe you've seen it, Craig, but I've never seen like that perfect. Well, we laughingly say like there was a time where Craig was running traffic where this is going to be super deep rabbit hole for some of you listening, but used to be able to use something called Google AdWords and you could literally buy an AdWord and your clicks would be, let's say a dollar and every dollar would spit out four, five, six, $10 on the backside. It was like before anybody knew what internet marketing was, in the capacity it is now, like before Facebook, before Instagram, like, yes, that was a whole different time where really a blind monkey could have found a couple hundred thousand dollars laying around. If you had the money to prime the front, front part of the pump, like it was, it was fun back then. Yeah. And you know, and you know, just to, to pick up with that, it's, it's, again, it's all, you wouldn't have found that out unless you took action and you wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't have found out the story selling thing unless I took action. I figured that out sitting in the back of an Uber you know, cause I was bored and I was just playing around with things and I figured out, Oh, this is how you can get people to contact you instead of you going out and cold messaging and them, you know, as I called it, I actually call it the honey trap, you know, by putting out good contact, 
uh, good content, you'll attract people and they'll get stuck in your honey content and then they'll just, you know, they just want more of it. So, but again, I didn't know that. I found it out by stumbling across something much like the guys stumbled across creating the, the post-it note at 3M. You know, if you've ever heard that uh, historic story. So you really just have to go out there and take action because you're never going to learn anything. You're never going to get better. You're never going to change your life. You're never going to meet amazing people, you know, sitting on, sitting on your couch and watching television. Yeah, absolutely. And Craig, in that, not only do you have this, I, I hate to say low end package, because I'll say entry point package. Like, sure. Applicable to every, if you have an Instagram account, this becomes applicable. But many of you, I'm sure sitting there right now are like, okay, that's great. But I'm more of a one-on-one person. I need somebody to hold my hand and get more tactical and get more deep down into this. And I get that. Like there's some times in life where I've been that guy too. Craig, of course, being who Craig is, honors you as well. Like he's got different really seminars or small groups across, really across North America, right? I mean, I see stuff, you being in Canada, there's Canadian spots, there's spots in the US. What do you have still open in that side? What does that look like? Well, I actually, I, I do them all over. So I got some in London, England. I've done some in South Africa and Europe uh, this summer as well. And so I'm, I'm the kind of person who like sees that there is a low price product and then goes, I'm going to go straight to the source. I just want to, you know, hire the person for the day. And so I have these small group workshops where I work with five entrepreneurs at, at once. Um, it's a very deep dive into what they want to accomplish. And then we build out the step-by-step blueprint into how they want to accomplish it. So it's everything from CEOs of manufacturing companies to internet marketers to gym owners. I've had athletes in there. I've had actors in there. Steve Weatherford's done it, who we mentioned before. Um, all, all these people, you know, anybody running anything from a $100,000 side hustle all the way up to a $100 million business, it helps them get clarity, focus, and the blueprint that they need to go to the next level. And it's just, I just absolutely love being around those high performers. A bit of a mastermind effect, and it's an amazing day. And it, it's just one solid day, right, Craig? I mean, it's, I'm sure it's intense. Like, it's not like, you know, playing patty cake. You have to be getting it. If there's six of you in a room for, you yeah. know. It's, it's heavy mental lifting. Everybody checks their phones at the door. Nobody's allowed to use them for the course of the day. There's homework before, and then there's a year of uh, email coaching follow-up so that I keep them on track and hold them accountable, which is, in my opinion, accountability, the secret ingredient to success. Absolutely. It's, it's so... Man, Craig, that's just such a brilliant thing to say, especially, I don't know if I've ever touched on that in one of my shows before. Crazy, you know, this will air, this will be 165, 170, somewhere in there. Yeah. Accountability and what that really means. I don't know any truly successful individual that hasn't had some level of accountability that's forced on a consistent basis. Yeah, and, and I actually figured out something. So I call that the secret ingredient, but there's actually a secret to the secret ingredient. Would you like to hear that? I'd love to hear that. Okay, so I figured out, because I've had a lot of coaches, I usually have three coaches a year, and I, I thought, you know, sometimes I'm only going 80% of the way with my coach's advice. You know, I like them, I respect them, but I'm just not, you know, I'm, I'm not bleeding for them. And then there were some coaches who I was like, I did everything they said. And, you know, when you do everything that they say, you can move mountains. And I realized, oh, I see. Here's the secret ingredient to the secret ingredient. And it goes like this. This is a, what's called a writer downer. You got to write this down. And it's, you, if you really want to change anything in life, whether it's fitness, whether it's wealth, whether it's your relationships, you must be accountable to somebody that you deeply do not want to disappoint. You must be accountable to somebody that you deeply do not want to disappoint. And so we've mentioned this guy a couple of times, a guy named Bedros, Bedros Cooling, and the author of Man Up, my business partner in some of the masterminds we run. And I hire him as a sales coach and a business coach. And he's like a brother to me. 
And I would, you know, some of the stuff that I needed to change was not tactical about sales or anything, but about, you know, how uh, my personality came off and some of the coaching and stuff like that. I just needed to, to uh, grow personally. And when I'd be with him, he'd give me this dirty look. And when I got that dirty look, it was like having a big brother, like be disappointed in me. And when that happened, I, you know, I made the hardest changes. I stepped outside my comfort zone more than any other time in my life. And it was because I deeply did not want to disappoint him. Whereas some of my other coaches who might've told me some, you know, the similar stuff in the past, I'm like, eh, they're right. But I don't want to push that hard. It wasn't until I had him around that pushed me the hardest. So accountability is a secret ingredient, but accountability to somebody you deeply do not want to disappoint is a game changer. Yeah. And I love that. I love that. And I'm going to guess in that, Craig, you also are a best-selling author. Like we brought up Bedros' book and I know it just came out and that's great. We can touch base on that, but yeah, the perfect day formula. Like you have <laughs> your own book that I'm sure has got to have a lot of these tactical tips and tricks in it, right? Oh yeah. I mean, it's, uh, we've sold over 25,000 copies of this just on our own. And uh, if anybody wants to get it, then go to freeperfectdaybook.com, grab it, just pay shipping and handling, or you go and grab it on Amazon for the audiobook and uh, the ebook and everything. And it's, it's a short book. Obviously it's all about, it's the perfect day formula. You're not going to have a 500 page uh, book on how to dominate your days. It's, it's all about the tactics to really own your mornings, which is the secret to success. It's, but it's not about the hour you get up. I'm not going to tell you to get up at five o'clock in the morning or at four o'clock in the morning or, you know, just a little bit earlier um, because it's not really about the hour you get up. It's about what you do with the hours that you are up and you need to have more structure in your life will give you more true freedom in your life. So I love this, Craig. I need, I'm going to ask you to critique my morning. Like just, okay. Put me between the eyes with it. I've been living this way for a while and love to, I believe in expanding and optimizing every part of my life daily. So yeah. if this is not kick me right in between the legs with this. I'm good with it. I can handle it. Well, you've already mentioned that you, you check Instagram a little too much too early. So of course. that'll be, a, that'll be a, a softball I can hit, but go ahead, hit me up. So I get up at, alarm clock goes off at 4.05 every morning, mm-hmm. jump out of bed, hop in a, a shower, don't do a cold shower, do a normal shower. Mm-hmm. That shower, I practice some gratitude in there. Think about literally starting inside, thankful for the water that's hitting my back, thankful for my wife laying in the bed, thankful for our daughter, like truly impactful, getting yep. myself a sense of gratitude. Wrap that up, go downstairs, have a fresh green smoothie immediately. Good. Green smoothie based off, you know, kale, spinach, whatever it is, you know, typically not something store-bought. It's actually put in a Vitamix and blend it up and, and slug down. Yep. From there, hop in the home office, do, you know, typically try to hit 30 minutes of meditation. Uh, that meditation is sometimes mindfulness, sometimes desired outcome, sometimes just quieting down my brain. It depends on what I'm feeling that day. Mm-hmm. Then I jump into journaling post-meditation, getting out some of those new thoughts of transpired, maybe some of the limiting beliefs, kind of whatever comes to me. After that, I send letters and notes of appreciation and gratitude to my wife, my daughter, and then anybody that's important to me that truly made an impact in the day before. So something that's tangible, not this high level, like, oh, you're a great friend. Thank you. No, like sure. stuff that actually matters. Then I grab something to read, whether it's a personal development book, whether it's business, whether it's marketing, and I read looking for a gift. So I read looking for that message that comes to me. Uh-huh. Uh, I can then tactically apply to that next part of my life. I journal that in the journal next to me again so that I'm focused on it. It's tying into my memory. And then I, I revisit that every morning once I'm done reading to make sure that I'm actually applying what I read. Okay. And then I leave, I hit the gym. So all this happens from really about 4.30 in the morning until 7.30 where I sweat, do all that sort of stuff. I box and work out and, you know, oh, cool. the fun stuff we do. So 
that's my, you know, my three hours every morning. And when I say every morning, that's not like Monday through Friday. Like I truly believe every morning means every morning. And it's not so regimented that of course, if I travel and there's some things going on with the family, I, I make a little hybrid version, just condense yeah. time and time, but the practical applications still exist. Mm -hmm. So that is my morning routine it has been for quite some time. What would you bring up that I could, uh, what, what can I do differently? What can I do better? And of course, like I said, I post on Instagram, like, here's my green smoothie, here's some stuff. So I'm using my technology. I'd like to check out on that. I'm torn between the marketing and branding of my brand and how to do that sequentially versus living the path that I want to go on, which is I would love to not touch my phone until nine o'clock in the morning because I don't need that negative vibration coming into my life. But that's secondary conversation. Well, yeah. Okay. So there's a couple of things. And I'd actually, can you take me up until like nine or 10 in the morning? Because I have, obviously there's, uh, you're, you're, you're nailing it so far. I mean, it's, it, there's a couple of, there's a thing, couple of uh, things I want to give you, but so far it's great. So what about up until nine or 10? So hit the boxing gym there at seven o'clock. I box for an hour, one-on-one of the coach. I live what I call a challenge-based lifestyle. So every 90 days I give myself a challenge to hit in body, being balanced and business. So yep. push to achieve that goal, I'd have to be a better version of myself than I am at this moment. So it's something that expands my capacity. So in that right now, my 90-day challenge is to hop in the boxing ring, have my first and only fight. So I, I went one-on-one -on -one with the coach. Yep. I'm getting ready to get punched in the face and do that whole fun, fun deal. Uh -huh. And then, though, I'm still a meathead at heart, so I like to go lift weights as well. So I'll, I'll pivot, and I'll go spend another 35 or 40 minutes lifting, like actually okay. lifting weights, doing all that stuff. I shower, leave there, grab some food, leaving Lifetime Gym. Uh, yep. Some idea what Lifetime is. Leave Lifetime, head to the office, spend the first uh, – you know, 35, 40 minutes at the office is my email block of time where, you know, catching up on things that are important for the day. What time does that start at? No, Craig, I'm going to say by the time I drive the office, it ends up almost being 9, 30, 10 o'clock most days. So okay. I, I, work, I found the schedule that works best for me work-wise ends up being, I, I'm on schedule, I'll say from 10 until 6.30 or 7 at night. Just seems okay. my, those are my hours of focused work. Now, when I leave work, phone goes away. It's family time. It's dedicated to, to what really matters to me. My, my why is myself first, my wife, and then my daughter. Like, got it. You know my why every day. Pretty easy for me. But it, for me, it starts with me. Like for my entire life, I live for my why with something else external. Yeah. I realize that putting myself in what I call personal power every morning has a massive benefit on how I live that day. Yeah. Okay. So when do you do your to-do list? Night, so the night before. Good. Okay. Good. That's the, that's the test that everybody listening, if you're doing your to-do list the morning of, you're already too late. So Ryan nailed it. Um, and then what would you describe as your magic time, the time of your day when you're three times more creative, energetic, and productive than any other time of day? So post-meditation. Like that, I leave that, that time block is, I know that I can get everything done that I need to do in the meditation, all that stuff I described. That's yeah. an hour and a half at best. But I leave myself three hours to knock that out and maximize it because I just feel the best in that moment. Like I stopped meditating. It's like the gifts of the universe, God, whatever you tend to believe in, those are there. And I can practically start mapping out new ideas to implement that evening. Like, got it. I'm okay. Gonna, I'm going to hit the ground, you know, full speed ahead. Yeah. And then what are the most important activities when in between the 10 and six time? Like what's the, what is the thing that moves the business ahead? So right now I'm in content creation mode. So I'm shooting videos and, and trainings and podcasting. And you know, so to move the business forward in progression right now, 
it's setting up the automation of the training videos and all the things to handle. No, not dissimilar sounds like from what you do. I have a low quote unquote low ticket product. That's 197 bucks to come into a, a monthly continuity. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these, you know, mindset shifts and things like that, that it's a daily accountability, really a hundred percent daily accountability. My whole goal is in 90 days that you don't need me anymore. It's a choice to be around by that point. We should have created some lifestyles for you, not just habits. Yep. And so, um, Right now, it's content creation. I mean, that, that's what's moving the needle forward. Podcasting is a passion. Hopping on and being able to interview great guys like you, having like meaningful conversations with impact. That's, that's something where I'm always two or three weeks ahead as far as content goes. So it's beautiful that way. Like, it's never a stress. That's more of a, uh, I got some good stuff to talk about today. Let's go sit in the booth and see what comes out. Got it. And then, I, you know, obviously coaching calls and things like you or I would have just organically. Okay. And what's not working in the business right now? Oh, my time. So I don't, I don't have enough. I always feel like I need another two or three hours in the day that I'm packing as much stuff as I can. I'm not allowing myself those time blocks to just sit for a second. So I never have, I'm not getting enough stuff done quickly enough. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, first of all, again, you're like 80, 90% of the, of the way there. Uh, very, very structured, very successful. The thing that I find, and this is very common, little less so in your, the way you describe it, but a lot of other people would come to me and say, you know, I get up at five o'clock in the morning and I do all this stuff by 7.30 and I'm really stressed out by 7.30 because I haven't actually gotten anything done, you know, so they get up and they do meditation and gratitude journaling and freeform journaling and interpretive dance and gosh knows, you know, whatever else, right? And it's like all of a sudden it's 7.30 and they've done yoga and all, and it's like, okay, you're doing too much in the morning. So it's almost like a lot of people's morning routines have become this perverse form of procrastination, as I call it. So the thing is, there's not a lot of holes in your stuff other than the fact that it's a long time, you know, the three hours, the two and a half hours, plus the gym. But you are only, you know, you you don't want to work more than eight hours a day. So it's like, okay, we need to figure out how can we get some of the content creation done, you know, obviously not the filming of stuff, but whether it's the planning, the writing of scripts, whatever it is, needs to be moved in that time after the meditation before the workout, because there's a lot of journaling in there. There's a lot of, you know, getting thoughts out and that's good. That's empire building approach. I mean, that's what I call it. You know, when you're sitting there and you're moving the things on the chessboard to the winning position, we do need to have that but it does seem to be creeping in a little bit to the actual implementation of it. So, you know, if we were to, to further on with this, it'd be like, okay, let's take a look at what you're doing during the 10 till six and be ruthless, ruthless about it. Ryan, do you have to do that? Do you absolutely have to do that? Is there anybody that can do it at 80%, 90% of your ability? Great. We are going to teach them how to do that so that you're not doing that. Um, and, and it would be a matter of really doing that deep dive. And that's like kind of, the, kind of the day, or actually that's more the homework, uh, going into one of my workshops where we get really deep on that with somebody It's like, okay, you got to stop doing this, this, and this. And, and with a coach's outside eyes, all this stuff is so obvious. Like if a friend came to you and said, can, can you know, critique my morning routine, you would be able to fix them up in a jiffy too. It's not rocket surgery. So it's real simple. And, and that's really where I see the leverage point for you right now, because you are making all this time and you've recognized that it's a powerful time of day after you do the meditation. Is there a part of the eight hour workday that could be leveraged so that you get in, again, you're getting 90 minutes of work done in 30 minutes in the morning 
that's, you know, because I have a very similar schedule to you. I get up at 3.57 a.m. because I find that getting up at 4 o'clock makes me mentally feel late. Uh, I'm still 12 minutes behind Mark Wahlberg, though, because he's up at 3.45 a.m., and, but three minutes before the rock. So I'm, you know, I'm in the middle there. And, and so I get up at 3.57 a.m. I have a green drink as well, and I go straight to writing. And I go straight to writing instead of doing the meditation and stuff first because I'm weak, lazy, unmotivated as anybody else. And so if I don't do that, then I'll find a reason not to do it at 9 o'clock in the morning. Plus, I'm also very creative at that time of day. So I can write 1,500 words in an hour at that time of day. But if you told me to write 1,500 words at 2 o'clock, it's going to take me three hours to do. So I've recognized that. I call that the magic time. And some people might have magic time at 10 o'clock at night. They might have it at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Most people are going to have it in the morning at some point. So we want to leverage it. And we want to make sure we're not using that on some other uh, activity or task. You know, are we doing uh, you know, meetings during our magic time? No, we got to reschedule ourselves. As much as possible, I understand you might, you know, the people listening, they might be team members. They might not have that ability to do that. But maybe it's not, maybe you can't do it every day, but on the days that you do have your magic time where you can control what you do in that time, make sure you're doing your most important tasks, the ones that require the creativity, productivity, and energy from you. So again, man, I'm kind of like grasping at straws here, Ryan, because you're nailing your days. You're a successful guy. I mean, you, um, you think things through and you have that. The one thing that I love that you have in there is that you have big thinking time is what I call it. People need to be able to step away, do big thinking away from their work desk because you're not going to come up with your biggest ideas at your work desk. You're going to do it, you know, either after a meditation or in the shower or while you train, that's when the big ideas come. And then I guess the last thing, it depends on what kind of rabbit hole you get sucked into with the, uh, the phone in the morning. I mean, if you did, if you kept your phone in airplane mode and only took pictures of the green drink the workouts, whatever it is that you wanted to show people, listen, those things can wait another three or four hours because first of all, half the people that probably watch your stuff are not even in the same time zone as you. So, you know, I, I figured this out too, because I'm an impatient guy. I want to get like, oh, I got a, a picture now. I got to put it on Instagram right now. But you realize like, it'll be okay if you put it on three hours later. So that's the thing. You got to be real careful with that phone because like you said, it can bring you into this negative vibe pretty quick. One last thing I'll say on that is don't feel bad about wanting to do stuff on your phone because you have to remember that Silicon Valley is full of 1,000, 10,000, 100,000 of the smartest minds in America are working to make you addicted to your phone. That's their entire livelihood. So you're fighting against 100,000 PhDs from Stanford don't, and, and other universities. Don't feel bad that you're not winning this battle against your phone. It's a tough one. Yeah, and, and Craig, I appreciate that perspective. I mean, again, I'm, I'm pretty conscious now about beating myself up for behaviors and thought processes. Sure. Phone one's one of those tough ones where for me, it's like, man, it, it doesn't quite have control over me, but I just feel, you know, when it's that 15 minutes, I'm like, shit, I really didn't need to use that 15 minutes right then for what I used it for. It is a time machine, those things. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you look at it and then you look up and you're like, 20 minutes just went by? You know, it's like, I've had a couple of moments where like, I got to... I want to win this battle. And, and so I've had to, you know, made some changes and it's, it, you know, you can, you can use the, their systems that they've built to protect yourself from the systems that they've built, like unfollowing, muting, you know, all that type of stuff. You control what comes in. Yeah, absolutely. And Craig, with this 
whole perfect day formula, how much split testing, how much, how many different iterations did you have to go through to get to this point? Like for you to nail this, and obviously you're, you're incredibly successful, phenomenal coach. Like you have years of practice at this, but when it comes down to it, like when you're, when you had to optimize your own day, like for me, I truly believe just because I say you need to do something kind of, it worked for me. It doesn't mean it's going to work for my listener. It doesn't mean it's going to work for my wife. Like I encourage everybody to test and optimize and hold each other, you know, be held accountable. But what did that look like for you? Did you, would you just nail it on the first time or was this a trial and error thing like so many others? I'm a, I'm a big believer in trial and error, scientific method, you know, in introspection, self-reflection that you can only figure this stuff out by very much like our marketing, right? We go and do something, we sit back and we go, okay, I changed this variable. Here was the outcome. Was the outcome desirable or not desirable? If, if it was desirable, do more of what works. If not, do less of what doesn't. So for me, I remember the day that I woke up in 2006. It was, uh, we haven't even talked about this, but I had severe anxiety attacks in 2006 that sent me to the emergency room, which set me down this path of putting more structure into my life. So I suffered from what I called the paradox of freedom, which is when you have too much freedom in your life. So people are probably thinking, whoa, wait a minute, you know, I got a job, I got to commute. There's no such thing as too much freedom. There is, there is. So let's look at some uh, famous examples. Mike Tyson, $300 million in career earnings, bankrupt. Why? No boundaries, no structure, surrounded by yes men. Hey, you know, buy whatever you might I want, Mike. Uh, you know, nobody was there to say, no, Mike, you can't buy the tiger, Mike. You know, and so the next thing you know, he's bankrupt. Johnny Depp, $30,000 a month on wine, that's a lot of money, spent a million dollars on Hunter S. Thompson's funeral. Hunter S. Thompson, the guy from uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, wanted an explosive funeral, so Johnny Depp paid a million dollars to shoot the ashes into like suborbital space or something, I don't know, something stupid like that. So he also on the verge of bankruptcy. And so Prince, Michael Jackson, all these people, you know, no boundaries around them. Nobody wanted to say no to them. They got into trouble. I was an entrepreneur with an internet business. I was able to quit my job as a personal trainer. I was working all day, no boundaries in the workday, going out at night, every night in Toronto, no boundaries around that. You can't do that for long at age 29. I suffered from these anxiety attacks. And around that time, uh, and we can talk about how I got out of that and all that sort of thing, but I realized I was waking up at 7.30 in the morning, which might seem early to some people, but, it, but to me, when I woke up at 7.30 in the morning and I rolled over and I checked my BlackBerry, okay, so BlackBerry phone, uh, remember those, um, I checked my BlackBerry and I'm like, this has got to stop because I feel like I'm chasing the world even though I got up at 7.30. And, and so it was like, tomorrow, I'm getting up at 7.25 and I'm not checking my email till 7.35. So it goes back to the start of the thing when we were talking about selling a Word document through PayPal. I wasn't saying, oh, I got to figure out, you know, the chronologically the best time for me. No, tomorrow I'm getting up five minutes earlier and I'm going to wait five minutes longer to check my email. Victory, progress, momentum, motivation. The cycle continues. I call that the virtuous cycle. When you do something, you get feedback, you figure out how to do it better, you go and act you get feedback and so on and so forth. That's how I've improved almost everything in my life. So then the next week, five minutes earlier, five minutes later for email and so on and so forth. I settled at about 5.30 in the morning for a couple of years. And then I started traveling a lot to the West Coast. And you know, the flight that I wanted to take was at eight o'clock in the morning in Toronto. That means getting to the airport around six. 
That means, you know, normally getting up at five, but that means by the time I get there, you know, I'm going to miss my workout because I'm going directly to a meeting. So I was like, okay, I'm going to start training at four o'clock in the morning. And eventually I was like, okay, I'm just going to normally do this. And, and it was fine. And so, you know, I go to bed early. Some nights I'll stay up till 10, but most nights I'm in bed by 8.30. And, you know, everybody can accommodate it. I mean, people probably wonder, well, how can you, you know, have a relationship and stuff like that? Listen, there's people that work, um, you know, because I grew up working at a factory for during the summers, during my college years. And there's people working overnight there that are happily married. So, listen, it, it, your marriage, your relationship is not going to fall apart because you don't go to bed at the exact same time as your partner or your spouse. So, that's not an excuse at all. So I figured that out over a long period of trial and error. It wasn't like I just fell into it. And then I started coaching a lot of, on, uh, a lot of other entrepreneurs. And the formula, again, it's not about you got to do this at 11 o'clock and this at 2 o'clock. It's no. Let's figure out what Ryan's day needs to look like. Let's figure out what my friend Joel Marion's day needs to look like. He, he built a $100 million supplement company starting work at, 10, at 9 o'clock at night and worked till 4 in the morning. And he has two young kids and a happy marriage and all this stuff. So it can be done based around how you want your life to look, especially when you're an entrepreneur. Yeah, absolutely. So great. I got to know, I got to know more about this anxiety. You know, you brought this up. I saw a post quite a, quite a few weeks ago about the anxiety. I got to know how you beat it. I got to know the story behind it. Like you're not, I've had 20 people in the last week email me about their level of anxiety based off the yeah. podcast. This is going to resonate with a lot of people. Yeah. And, and that's actually my next, next book. I'm going to have that done in November. It's called Unstoppable, How to Get Through Hell, Overcome Anxiety and Dominate in Business and Life. So that'll be done soon. Um, but here's the thing. So I was, I was a young guy living in a big city. So imagine like, you know, you're, you know, it's not much different than a guy living in, in New York, working on Wall Street, lots of money and goes out every night. And that's what I did in Toronto. And, you know, three nights a week. And I was, I was also hypocritical because I was writing for Men's Health Magazine, but I would start drinking at four o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday, you know? And so I, that also ate up with me inside. I mean, I was a relatively introverted person. Uh, I don't believe in putting myself in the introverted box and using those excuses, but I have those introverted tendencies. Um, I'm an int J if you want to, you know, use that terminology from whatever test that is and uh, socially anxious, all this stuff. So I had all that going against me, uh, very, um, and, and also like to go out. And so one night I drank seven Red Bulls at a bar with a lot of vodka, and the next day I had this uh, anxiety attack where I thought I was having a heart attack. I went to the emergency room. That was actually New Year's Day, January of uh, 2006. So I walked into the emergency room, and the guy looked at me. So guy like, you know, a little bit younger than you, Ryan. He's, you know, man in the desk there. And he looks at me like, what do you want? It is Sunday at 11 o'clock. There's nobody in here. Don't bother me. And, and as soon as I said to him, I think I'm having a heart attack. He like, his mind, you know, he looked like the emoji on uh, an Instagram where it's got the blush cheeks and the eyes are open. Like he looked like that for a second. Took me into the back. So, so if you ever go to an emergency room with like a sprained ankle and like it's really busy, just go up and say you're having a heart attack and they take you right to the back. So it's like a little hack there for emergency rooms. Uh, they won't like you when they find out you only have a sprained ankle. But anyway, so I got to the back, nurse came over, like petted my stomach, was blown away that I drank seven Red Bulls. They sent me home in an hour because there was nothing wrong with me. Three months later, I went out again, had a binge drinking of a weekend and I woke up on the Monday morning with the sense of impending doom. That's the only way I can describe it. 
And it was like, this is like this, I had a weird dream. I woke up, it was, it was terrible. And then the fire alarm went off in my condo. So I had to sit outside and it was a beautiful spring day in Toronto, but things were only getting worse. And then for the next six weeks, literally every minute for the next six weeks, I felt like I was having a heart attack. I had tingling from the top of my head down to the end of my fingertips. I had a tight chest, elevated heart rate. I couldn't breathe and I, I couldn't get it to go away. I tried everything. I did yoga, meditation, Qigong, which is like a standing meditation, Tai Chi, all of this stuff. I couldn't get rid of it. Couldn't get rid of it. And then one day, uh, I had a little, I had a couple of personal training clients left. I, I was training this guy. He was five foot three, 310 pounds, an obese lawyer, stressed out, 50 years old or whatever. And I said to him, I, I need to go to the emergency room. And he looked at me like I had two heads because it's like eight o'clock in the morning. I looked like a young, healthy person. And I describe anxiety as a black box. So all those people emailing you, they're like, they can't describe it to other people because it's not like a broken arm, right? You got a broken arm. You say like, hey, I got a broken arm here. People are like, oh, I get it. Uh, but you got anxiety. They're like, I don't know what that means. I don't know what, why you're like, I was freaking out all the time and you can't describe that. So plus you don't know what's going on yourself. So it's a black box for them. It's a black box for you. So I went to the emergency room again. This time it was busy and it was at uh, Toronto's like trauma hospital downtown where, you know, it's surrounded by, uh, you know, alcoholics and drug addicts and street people. And that's where they take all the car crashes and all this stuff. So they were like, go sit down, buddy. If you have a heart attack and you pass out, we'll, we'll get you, <laughs> you know? So they were like, they didn't care uh, as much. And then, you know, I left there a few hours later, they gave me a chest x-ray and they gave me a heart rate monitor and they said, come back in 24 hours. And I did, I gave it to them. And then they said, we'll call you in 24 hours if there's anything wrong with you. And I was just counting those hours down. And as soon as 24 hours went by, Ryan, it was like the weight of the world kind of lifted off my shoulders. And I realized, okay, there's nothing physically wrong with me. And then that meant it's all in my head for, for lack of a better phrase. And so I can fix this. So that same day I went on the internet and I bought a book called Panic Away. And the first I got to the first five words of chapter two, read those, shut the ebook down, never looked at it again, and I was cured. And, and those five words were, there's nothing wrong with you. And, and then, being the entrepreneur that I am, I said, you know what, I'm too busy for this anyways, I gotta go back to work. So, yeah. so that's how I got rid of it. Um, it, it would come back every once in a while. Uh, it would try and get back into my life, and I would just do breathing techniques, uh, a lot of the stuff I talk about in my book, um, and I was able to overcome it and keep it at bay. And now, you can put a lot of triggers on me, and, and I will never have anxiety because I know that there's nothing wrong with me. So, that's my story. And I, I don't say I love the story, but I love the candid way in which you told it. Like, it's so many things, especially as, as I've touched base on in the podcast with some of the... I'm a big fan of Dr. Joe Dispenza. Don't know if you know him or not, but some of the, you know, undoing some of the past limiting behaviors and really realizing the fact of how impactful your mind is on your ability to produce and create and what that looks like. So you're literally touching base on all these principles and topics that have been intertwined over my past 160 episodes where once you realize that you have a thought in your brain and you're consciously aware that it exists, it allows you to reformulate that thought. Like you can decide yep. to have power over you or not and you made the conscious decision with that thought to realize that it doesn't serve you. And so you kicked it out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but the thing is thoughts can, they're that powerful to help you. They're also that powerful to harm you. So when people have anxiety, 
the worst thing that I think someone can do is, you know, the, the mind is racing. If you go and stay isolated, if you sit down and you, and you just worry, the mind races more. The anxiety engine revs up. You have to get out of your head. You have to get out physically. That night I had my first anxiety attack run. As soon as I walked out of my condo into the fresh air, my anxiety went down 20, maybe 30% immediately. As soon as I got in the cab and started talking to a cab driver about going to the emergency room, another 20 or 30% decrease just from talking to people. The human touch of that nurse practically eliminated it. The assurance of the doctor, and I was good. And so don't isolate yourself. Don't let your wheel spin. You know, the fact that, that you're doing journaling, that is great. People do need to do the journaling because if they don't, the mind is racing too much. You need to get it out. I like to, I've recently started using this analogy that if you have anxiety, it's like you have a whole, a, a, you know, like remember when we were kids and you had that box and it's a jigsaw puzzle, you got all the pieces in your head. And if you keep them up there, it's chaos. So you have to get it all out there, whether it's talking to somebody, journaling, that gets at least gets the jigsaw puzzles pieces out of your head. And then over time, you can arrange it into clarity, which is kind of what I do through my book and through my workshops. I, I take all the clutter in somebody's head and I give it clarity. And when you do that, I've had people come into the day and they were like, you know, they were shaken when they were writing because there's so much going on. And, and a, lot of it, a lot of it's too much opportunity because they're successful entrepreneurs. They could be doing this, this. And I'm sure with the podcast, you get requests all day long and you can get too much opportunity. My friend Joe Polish calls it being uh, entrepreneurs are intoxicated with opportunity. And, you know, the next thing you know, you're saying yes to this and yes to this, yes to a million things. And you lose out on the real important stuff and you get overwhelmed. So that is something that even if you're not an entrepreneur, you need to talk it out. There's nothing wrong with going and getting therapy. Not, you know, you absolutely, if you're having anxiety attacks, go to your doctor. Um, I never used uh, medications. I think that most people probably can, can overcome it. It's not easy, but once you break free of it, like I, I feel when I was younger, I felt invincible. When I had the anxiety attacks, I felt like I was never going to get out of them, but I worked really hard to figure it out. Hopefully all the information I've shared will help people shortcut it. You know, just learning how to breathe again. Uh, most people breathe from the upper chest, short, shallow breaths, decreases carbon dioxide, increases adrenaline. So you're, you're even more anxious when you breathe improperly. Open up, big belly breaths, meditation style, yoga style. You can calm yourself down in a couple of minutes. And so hopefully I help people not get into the state that I was. But even if you are, you can overcome it naturally and then keep it away for life just knowing all these things that I know now. And so I, I really hope that helps. It's like my life's mission is to help people through that now. Yeah, and I, I love the mission, Frank. I mean, you, the fact that you were even when the anxiety started kicking in, I mean, to me, I have this mental block that anxiety would typically come on the precipice of some bad parts of your life where like you were successful, had a business that was booming, like we're contributing for men's health, had fitness client. Like there was not a thing where it was like, oh gosh, Craig's life is on the verge of. No, it was the exact opposite. It was like, I was at the peak and, and, you know, maybe in my head I had some anxiety around, uh, you know, and about the limiting beliefs I grew up with on the, you know, I grew up on a farm with no money. Um, you know, maybe I thought, oh, I was too successful. You know, things got to, got to fall apart. I'm just waiting for it. And maybe I put, you know, I, but I brought it on myself with the lifestyle choices and all that sort of stuff. And so, 
it was a combination of all those things. A lot of things I had to work through. And, and I, I, you know, I could talk about this all day long. I'm not embarrassed by it. In fact, the more that I talk about it, the further I distance myself from anxiety. So that's why you have to talk it out. Yeah. And that, that's really the tone of this podcast is what I call authentic vulnerability. Like I found consistently all this, I call it shilt, the shame and guilt that we all carry around <laughs> addressing that and sharing it. Like pain shared is pain divided yeah. out there. So it's no longer on your shoulders anymore. Don't care how big or small it is. Like again, my listeners know I've cheated and lied and failed businesses. And like my, my road is not this gold paved. Like I didn't, I was not born with a silver spoon in my mouth. I fucked up all types of stuff. But once I own that, then I can walk in any room and it doesn't matter. Like, okay, so great. Right now, you know that I had my truck repossessed three years ago. So if you dig deep enough on Google, you'll find out the whole story about it, that I was broke. Okay. Like the power goes away. It doesn't feel foreign to me anymore. It's, it completely debunks that, not debunks the story, but allows me to frame the story the way that actually provides power and benefit in my life instead of I'm on my heels, much as it sounds like your perfect day formula. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually, uh, so I've mentioned to you before that I have a big event, uh, my, my annual big event, big seminar. Um, and last year I used, uh, told a story almost exactly like this. So I'm going to walk you through it because, cause I like it. I think it's clever. It might not be, but I think it is. So it, it's a, it's a dark and stormy night in Columbus, Ohio. And, to, and, uh, you know, somebody shows up on your door and, you know, wants to come in. Well, there's two people there. There's two people. One is a, an older woman. And the other is a young black man. And you can only let one person into your home. Let's be honest, who gets let into the home, okay? Now, here's the thing. That woman is Hillary Clinton. The black man is Jay-Z. Who are you going to let into your house? No, most people are probably going to switch their opinions here. And the reason why I tell that story is, is not for political reasons, but look who owned the narrative, right? Hillary Clinton hid everything. Jay-Z put everything out there, right? He, he owned it. He took ownership. He, he owned the narrative. So now it's like, instead of somebody finding out, oh my gosh, Jay-Z sold drugs. No, Jay-Z told everybody he sold drugs. You know, everybody found out about Hillary's stuff after and not from her. You know, they found out about it through, you know, reporting and digging. Like you said, like if you didn't tell people that you got your truck repossessed, Someone would go and find that because there's, there's people out there who are looking, you know, behind every nook and cranny to find something about every celebrity, every person who's successful. Oh, I want to bring him down. But if you say like, listen, here's every piece of my dirty laundry. Now you own it. And, you know, she didn't. She didn't own anything. And that's one of the reasons why she was not successful in her bid to become president, in my opinion, because she tried to, she never wanted to, you know, show any weaknesses. And I think when you show all the weaknesses, get all the stuff out there, you know, I can talk about myself in, in, in the, you know, deprecating humor, you know, and, and you can't come with anything. No, there's, there's no other uh, arsenal you can hit me with. Absolutely. I could not agree more. And Craig, you also touched base on the, the seminar, the bigger event you have coming up at the end of the year in, in San Diego. It's yeah. that I'm in for, don't know how much it costs, don't even care, like I'm in. Especially, explain what that event is. You had some impactful speakers coming, it sounds like. I mean, a guy that I'm having on my show, it sounds like it's going to be a guest there. So, yeah. some cool stuff going on that way. Yeah, yeah. So, it's two days in November, November 8th and 9th in San Diego. It's called The Perfect Life Retreat. It's an extension of my book. It's, an extent, it's like a beginner version of my workshop. Um, it's, uh, 
It's got Tim Grover, the author of Relentless, which is a book I've read three times this year, and I rarely read a book twice. I've already read this book three times, and you're going to have him on your show soon. He was Michael Jordan's personal trainer. He was Kobe Bryant's trainer. Um, and that book will, you know, I, every day I would read three pages of it. If I hadn't sold something the day before, I was like kind of feeling down and reading three pages of that book made me want to run through a wall. So I was like super hyped up for it. Um, so I'm really excited to have him speak and he will just make you elevate your game. Then I have Bedros Koulian, my friend, the author of Man Up, he'll be speaking. Um, this woman named Shanda Sumter, who is a very successful business coach. She's like an alpha female. So she's really going to fire up people. Also, you know, inspire the women in the audience who always, you know, say, hey, we need, we need more women. Shanda's awesome. Uh, my friend, Joel Marion, who uh, I've mentioned before. And then also a gentleman named Sharon Sravatsa, who is a very successful person in the real estate world. Um, he has an amazing, both Bedros and Sharon have amazing immigrant stories. Both of them at one point in their lives in America after coming here from Armenia, Bedros, and India for Sharon. They both had to uh, survive by eating food out of dumpsters, um, but they both came here legally. Uh, they both uh, are proud Americans, and they both have been successful, and they're, they're, they're the reason why I truly believe the American dream is not dead. I'm a big fan of the American dream. Uh, I'm kind of, uh, you know, I come from Canada, and I have a, a visa to work in the United States, and I am, um, you know, I'm a big believer in it. So all those people will be speaking, plus I'll be taking people through something that I'm really excited about, which is my new perfect week formula, which shows people exactly how to design their week. Because it's one thing to design your day, but you know, not everyone has the same day every day. There's areas of weakness that a lot of people have, such as proper planning for the next day, getting to bed on time, uh, making sure that there's date night on the calendar. And so I'm going to do a big, big section on that because I've been teaching it in the last three months and it's been a game changer for a lot of my clients. So, you know, all that good stuff, uh, lots of motivation, inspiration, but also a huge networking event on the um, Thursday evening, uh, November 8th, where we'll have roundtables for real estate agents, financial advisors, copywriters, email marketers, all this stuff so that you go and ask the guru that will be at the table, but also you get to meet other people in the industry and, you know, that's one of the big things about events is going there and, and making lifelong friends. So it's going to be really, really awesome. Now, Craig, are there still seats available for that or is that? Yeah, we have a, we have a limit of 400 people and we're at about 330 right now. So I got, uh, you know, just probably just push it over the next couple of weeks and then we'll be filled up. Yeah. So if somebody, one of the listeners, I'm sure somebody wants a couple of tickets to that. Where do they find, where can they go grab a ticket? Perfectliferetreat.com. And we have a two for one ticket deal right now. So it's going to be really great. You get to bring a friend. Nice. That's wonderful. Well, Craig, I, I, I honor the fact of how much time you've given me today. Obviously, a man of your stature and success is borrowed time everywhere. And I know you, you itemized out some or, or at least put an hour aside for us. So I want to sincerely thank you for all the pearls of wisdom you shared. Like this has just been awesome to me. Just like talking to an old friend that I hope is just the, the start in the doorway to a new friendship. Like yeah, I, man. The, the similarities and the mindsets are so comparable. I'd love to catch up with you more about the perfect week because separate episode or even off the mic. Like I live that way with a, a whole bunch of stuff that I'm interested in. Pick your brain yeah. up. Just jive on it. See what, see what works. Sounds good, my man. Thanks again for your time. Honor as always. Look forward to catching up soon.